Kia ora team and welcome to the Beyond the Surface podcast. My name's Noah Woloff and on today's episode I'm joined by Lilia Alexander. Lilia founded and sold Wellington Live, which is a Facebook company which grew to over hundreds of thousands of likes and subscribers and has now positioned herself to be a tourism and content creator. Basically, Lilia has carved out a pretty awesome life for herself using the tool of social media as the vessel for her to get opportunities around New Zealand but also right around the world. As always, I really appreciate all of the support of the podcast, so thanks for tuning in. And if you haven't already, please make sure you rate the show five stars on Spotify and click that follow button. Goes a long way and means you'll be able to keep in touch with the latest episodes. Welcome to episode number 22. I was really keen to... Start the story around yeah. when you were in high school and okay, first yeah. starting Wellington Live. Yes. Um, so for those people that aren't familiar with you and what mm-hmm. Wellington Live is, yeah. do you mind just giving them a bit of a yeah. brief update? Cool. Okay. So I started Wellington Live actually after I'd left high school, but before I'd started uni. So during high school, um, I was always interested in entrepreneurship and we had different... Um, through, through different years throughout school, we'd um, have the chance to make a little business. We had like a year 10 market week where we would make products and sell them. And it was like a bit of a competition um, with who could, you know, have the most sales or the most profit or all that kind of stuff. And then at, in my last year of school, which happened to be year 12, uh, I was also, went to Hutt Valley High School mm-hmm. at that point in time. And in business studies class, we had Young Enterprise Scheme, mm-hmm. which is incredible. And Such a good program. I right? recommend to literally everyone. I think it should be mandatory in school. Totally. I, um, I don't yeah. think we had that at Altair College, but oh, there's so many amazing people that have gone yeah. across an A. Yeah, it's, uh, it's um, life-changing for sure. Anyway, so I did that, um, and that business was a pineapple chunk gelato cannot call it pineapple lumps due to like copyright, copyright reasons, reasons fair enough. Cadbury. Um, <laughs> yeah, pineapple uh, chunk gelato. And we did really well in that. We won the Wellington regionals, um, which was really cool. And then after that, I got accepted into the first program um, of something called Venture Up run by Creative HQ, which was a six week long full-time, sort of like a, like a business accelerator, but we, we didn't, already have businesses to start with. Mm-hmm. So like you go in Coming on the, in completely fresh. Yeah. So you go in, like you meet everyone. It was 28 other young people from around the country that had done Young Enterprise and were kind of like handpicked by Creative HQ to um, come and be a part of this program. So I'm awesome. stoked I was picked. Um, but we, yeah, pitched ideas on the first night and then formed teams. Uh, my team for that was doing a, a healthy energy drink with an ingredient from the Amazon, which at that time at least, wasn't used in any energy drinks in New Zealand. Yeah, but um, what was the ingredient? Guayusa. Guayusa. Okay. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> pretty funny. wants to Google that. Uh, but yeah, so at that point in time, I mean, I, I was pre- feeling pretty solid on the business. Um, I thought we were going to continue it. And so I withdrew from the first term of uni because I thought we were going to go full-time on this business. Mm-hmm. But as happens, teams fall apart and... Um, I couldn't get re-enrolled back into uni until the second trimester. Now, it was during this break where it was 2015 and major flooding happened in Wellington. And I, you know, I had a history of um, I'll make Facebook pages for fun. And so I kind of thought, hey, why don't I make a Facebook page? But my goal was around helping bring all the information together Mm. because I could see 
it was it was just really chaotic out there and even like my siblings trying to figure out is the school open or not? Are the roads open? And everyone in all these different Facebook community groups were asking these questions. And I could find a lot of that information by going to all the different sources, um, all the different news websites and the council websites, and even just from people posting in those groups that information. So I thought, why not just bring it all into one place so that it's easy for everyone to find that without mm. them having to scour all the yeah, different yeah, yeah. websites themselves. So I started um, just posting, yeah, all the information in, in this um, page called Wellington Floods 2015 Live. And it, yeah, it took off. Um, and when you say took off, yeah. in terms of numbers, like what was the, yeah. what was the growth looking like there? Um, within between 24 and 48 hours, it got 16,000 followers, which wow. was pretty decent. I, say, yeah, I think it's pretty decent. <laughs> um, and reaching hundreds of thousands of people. And yeah, it was just like everyone, you know, was liking, commenting, sharing. Mm-hmm. And it became known as the place to go for all the information about the mm-hmm. flooding. So that was mm-hmm. really cool. Um, and so there would have been like a natural progression where you're, yeah. you're covering content about the, yeah. f- about, about the floods yeah. specifically for this Facebook page. Yeah. And then time... Time goes by, the yes. floods become less of an the issue. The floods ended. The floods <laughs> ended. How did yeah. you then, were you like, okay, cool, I've got such a massive amount of following through this page, I've yep. got to do something with it. Yeah, kind of like that. I um, Yeah, so the page name was Wellington Floods 2015 Live and flooding ended and I thought, okay, maybe I could just leave it until the flood ends, floods again. Um, but, you know, who knows when that's going to happen, how often and anything like that. And I thought it's kind of a waste to just let a page with that many followers to just sit there posting nothing until it floods again. So I literally, I just like, I took out the part and the name about the flooding. So I condensed it down to Wellington Live mm-hmm. and I started posting anything that was like, it was relevant about Wellington. So, um crashes, earthquakes, so like a lot of natural disaster stuff I continued with, but also general news as mm-hmm. well. I think at that point, you know, I might have been sharing links to stuff and, and News Hub and all the different news sites and um, council-related stuff as well. But what happened is over time I learned what the audience was interested in and what they weren't interested in. And with the name being Wellington Live – the essence of it was that it was live. So in terms of natural disasters or things happening like crashes or house fires or gunmen on the loose, Mm. uh, it was live. And so I would be the first one to post about it. And uh, people would always ask me, oh, how do you know? Um, To be honest, I don't know. But um, a lot of information actually came to me. So it became crowdsourced where whenever this, like say a crash would happen down the street, Instantly, it's like a photo is coming through to me of this crash. And so I know it's legit. Like, wow. I, know, I can see the time it was taken and there's information coming through. And so I can post about that before any, uh, like, news a- agency yeah. or, you yeah, know, yeah, anyone yeah. else. Um, and that must have basically been like a full-time job, right? If you've got your finger on the yeah. pulse almost 24-7, yep. how were you sort of managing your time running this, like, you know, yeah. basically this mini news company through Facebook? Totally. I think... I'm so I'm 25 right now. 
I grew up where technology started coming into play. Like I still remember having dial up. I was having this conversation the other day because we were exactly yeah. the same age, right? Yeah, yeah. We were basically the guinea yeah, pigs we when it came to social media. Like yeah. there were no other teenagers that went yeah. through having social media apps on their phone yeah. before us. Yeah, true. We really were the guinea pigs. We were the guinea pigs. God, 100%. and a lot of bad stuff happened out of that. For sure. Which, yeah, it's not fun to look back on. But I don't know, it's the way it is. Yeah. Adults will never fully know what the kids are up to. Totally. So that's happened. So um, you were fully like immersed within yes. social media already. Yeah. So it was so, second nature for you? Yeah. Or? It, it just came naturally to me, uh, like posting and messaging and engaging. So... Like, sure, for someone who was a lot older with less experience, it, it would have been a quite a task. For sure. But for me, because it came naturally, it's just it's just a post here and there. Like, mm. I could be doing whatever um, and, you know, get notified that a message has come through and then I can post about it. And with the, with the page, because I wanted it to also be just relevant content, that meant I wasn't just posting any nonsense. Mm. I would only post something if it was actually relevant and important and people want to know about it. So it didn't matter if I went a day or two without posting because I'd rather post something of high quality that people care about than, yeah, mm. just random stuff. Mm. Um, and yeah. how do you know, you said you had like a good almost radar for what your yep. audience did and didn't like. Yes. How did you first come to understand that? Because I think a Oof. lot of people listening, whether yep. they're, running their own business, their startup, or trying to up the mm. game on social media, you yes. know, like understanding your yep. audience is such a huge piece of the puzzle there. Yep. So was that done through trial and error, like posting yes. stuff, seeing doesn't get good engagement, yeah. and so sort of redefining it from there? Okay, so this takes me back to um, what you learn in entrepreneurship. You learn about validation and giving your customers what they want slash need. If you can, if someone has a need and you can create something that fills that need, you've instantly, well, not instantly, obviously like the price has to work. Everything else has to work, mm. but you've, you're probably going to have success if you're filling a need. And if you're filling a want, then that's also quite highly successful as well. If, if you get all the other pieces together. So because I knew that I knew to listen to what everyone, what in my audience would say. So if I would post something and I, I read like every single comment for years, which is a lot of comments. It's a lot of Karens to get through. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, but I, I cared about what they thought and if they had a negative comment about anything, I would take it in and think to myself, okay, this person thinks I shouldn't post this, so maybe I shouldn't. And I would think about it and, and you know, there were definitely instances where it is just, you know, one crazy person um, who's always got something negative to say, but... I, I just felt it was so important to listen to what they were saying and that helped me learn. So some examples of that could be early on, um, I guess going into this, I had no prior media mm. journalism kind of experience. Mm. Um, so I learned don't necessarily always post photos of crashes because people would say, oh, like this could this could be someone's family. And that because I was posting it before anyone else, um, it's kind of different like if, stuff or here it was already posted it yeah. and it's like well it's already in the news yeah. but m me being the Facebook page mm. I had to learn the boundaries of what is appropriate to post and what's not even though I had all these like images and information available to me I had like a social responsibility to mm. it was like a code of ethics eh, yeah. that you to follow yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah code of ethics um, morals and everything and 
Yeah, you know, I would just, yeah, I think that's the key thing is listen to the audience slash customers if you're in a business yeah. and, and give them what they want. And so whatever they would engage with the most, I'll give them more of that. Because it was getting to the point where you'd have like weekly reach mm. of up to like a million yep. people were seeing your posts and videos and yep. the content from this page, which yep. is crazy. Yeah, which is a lot, yeah. What are like the three sort of top pieces of success for like growing um. a Facebook page to that magnitude? I, yes. I think you probably already covered one. It's like knowing your audience. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, let's say second one is good quality content. So what do you mean by that? Okay. So I guess this is another factor that helped to make the page be successful is that, uh, growing up, I like, I got my first camera when I was maybe 13. So I was always interested in visuals and taking photos, which meant that I developed an eye for what looks good and what doesn't. And, you know, some people, they can't take photos, you know, like it's wonky, it's blurred, it's, Mm. Yeah, it's kind of cringe. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I That's like, like me, like, because yeah. I'm a dad, I'm just like an absolute uh, dad when it comes oh, to taking photos. Yeah. I've got like my, my finger over the camera and shit. It's bad. Mm, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, you should work on that. But, yeah, yeah, I should. I but really because, should. because of that, I knew what was a good photo to post or video or, you know, and so I could cu- curate the content in a way that was visually appealing and that people would engage with it and like mm. it and... You know, you see some brands and other pages, they'll post photos, but they, they just kind of suck. Like, mm. like, let's say, for example, like a sunset photo, you need to have really vibrant colors. It's got, there's got to be some stuff going on in there. Totally. It can't just be like someone's backyard. Or, I mean, there's scenarios where that works. Yeah. But like, it, there has to be something unique and eye-catching about it. Mm. And a lot of people just don't get that. So good content would be... Yeah, the second, I guess, piece of advice for growing your page is just make sure that it is eye-catching. And again, in terms of learning from your audience, if they aren't engaging with it, then maybe it's not good. Mm. <laughs> so maybe learn from that and try to do something differently. Yeah, uh, There's all the little things as well, uh, which, you know, you'd be surprised a lot of brands still haven't learned. Like, I would say don't bother with, with hashtags on Facebook posts because nobody's searches up hashtags on Facebook. True, um, true. All they do is clutter the posts. Uh, with captions, you want captions as short as possible. Uh, chuck some emojis in there to break up the text. You don't want a long paragraph or anything. There are scenarios where paragraphs do work, which is where it is a personable story where it's like people can connect with it and mm. they want to keep reading and, mm. yeah, it's more of a stronger connection kind of mm. thing. But short and sweet, straight to the point, don't fluff around. Um, it's pretty amazing. You've got through through all of this experience, you've basically got like a PhD in social <laughs> media, right? Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> um, it's so funny because I, I started marketing at Vic Uni whilst I, so, okay, so back to the story. So I, I started the Facebook page um, and then I don't know exact dates, but like a month or two later, I started at Vic Uni to do a Bachelor of Commerce majoring in marketing. Yep. And I got to the point where I was like, I was sitting in these lectures And I had my laptop open, obviously, but I was just like on my Facebook page because I'm engaging and Mm. and learning and everything. And like I've got there like like saying I've reached 500,000 people that week. And then I just felt like I was way more engaged with that. And what they were teaching us in marketing was none of that. Mm. It was nothing like if they could have taught me how to do social media or monetize the social media in terms of advertising, which eventually I had to learn on my own. But it was just so outdated. And I think university will always be outdated. Mm. So 
It's mm. a tough one. I mean, because university d- is great for so- some people. Totally. But if you're wanting to do something new, it's just, yeah, I just felt like it wasn't um, yeah. like worth my time when yeah. I got, yeah. Because I could see an, on my phone, on my computer, all the stuff I was doing mm. and what I was learning had nothing to do with that. Mm. It was all like newspapers and billboards. And I'm like, newspapers are going out. We're not going to be reading newspapers totally. in a few years. And now we know, like there's no newspapers around anymore. So did you stick through with your university nah, degree? No, nah, right. so I, I did drop out about a year and a half in, uh, which yeah, I think was a good decision. It, there's definitely... It's tough because being so immersed in the business world in the startup scene in Wellington, I would have a lot of people saying and talking about how you don't need a uni degree anymore. It's more about what you know, what your experience is, blah, blah, blah. And then I got out of uni and I decided, okay, I'm like amazing at social media. Mm-hmm. I should be able to get like a, a regular job in social media mm-hmm. to keep income up. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't get a job in social media, mm. which was real stupid. Why was that? Because um, you probably have like a yeah. shining CV when it comes to a core example of creating yeah. Wellington Live, you know? I know, I know. It was, um, I think the thing is recruiters and businesses, they just want to tick boxes. Mm. Unless you're being hired by a startup, startups might get it. Yeah. But the majority of business out, businesses out there, they are just ticking the boxes. And if I haven't got a completed degree, I don't have three years prior experience yeah, in, right. in this kind of role. They don't care. True. Even though I could have been better than anyone else yeah. and made their brand wildly successful, I just, yeah, I just couldn't actually get a job in social media, which sucked. Um, and so when I did leave uni, I ended up getting just a, a really boring kind of um, customer service chat role. Um, and... Eventually, the Kaikoura earthquakes happened in 2016, mm. I believe. And that was a big time for Wellington Live. Even though the earthquakes weren't centred in Wellington, somehow I the page grew by about 30,000 followers. Which was heaps, yeah. How, and how many and like, total followers did it have at that, at that oh, moment? I, at that point, I don't know, maybe like 60 or 70,000 total. Yeah. But yeah, that was like just a massive growth. And even years later, people would come to me and say, yeah, I knew your page from when the Kaikoura earthquakes happened. Mm. And just because they were like trying to get around the country and, and I don't, yeah, I guess. Um, but anyway, so when that happened, I, so I, I was working in that job. I was in a trial period and I said to them, hey, can I take the morning off because I've got this page? They knew about the page and, the, and my responsibility to it, but they didn't want to let me take the morning off to do my posts. And so I had this sudden conflict of, wow, like, am I, is my page my thing or is my boring job my thing? Yeah, right. <laughs> so I said to them, look, I'm, no, like, I'm, I'm going to take the morning off. I'm going to do my updates. So you fired your employer. Yeah. You, you essentially quit. And you're then, like, you're fired. And, and then, like, the day or two after I got this text, like, this is called abandonment of employment. Oh, and I wow. lost the job. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, good riddance in a sense because it, it really. Um, that is what made me realize that I couldn't have a normal job at the same time. Yeah. Because well, unless the normal job were to understand and let me. Yeah. You know, run the page at the same time. Um, so does that make you pivot and start to look at Wellington Live as mm-hmm. a way for you to potentially yeah. turn it into a business, business. and a yep. job? Yeah, yeah, I realized I, I had to. There was no way I could do multiple things at once. 
And you're essentially doing this, you know, you're building the airplane while yeah. you're literally flying it. Yeah. So what was that thought process or <sighs> take us through those steps around leaving this job, which is paying like a steady income yeah, to going into, you know, starting to essentially make a business out of a Facebook yeah. page. Okay. Where do you start? Baby steps. Um, now this was, yeah, because I guess it was 2016. This was around when the whole term of influences started appearing and it was all quite new. You know, like these days you, you talk to any business about influence marketing and they know what you're Don't talking understand. about yeah. and they know that there's value in it. But back then that was all quite new and everyone was just trying to wrap their heads around it. And so I would talk to a, a lot of people, like even in startup, startup world, business mm-hmm. worlds, like saying, asking them for advice on, on how can I make money? And I never really got any like direct answers on how to do it. It was you know, they'd say things around like, oh, you can, you can advertise and but like there was no clear, yeah, ex- mm. exact kind of yeah. instructions, I guess, on, on how to do that. And so I had to learn. And so I think my first brand deal was, oh, what's the, oh, oh Little Island. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the ice cream. Yeah. Yeah, nice. they, they sent me a bottle of coconut chocolate milk. And I think they also might've paid me like 20 bucks to post about that. What that, a bargain. What a deal. <laughs> Two dollars, yeah. Um, but anyways, that post maybe at that time, I mean, it probably only got like a hundred and something likes and mm-hmm. some comments and things like mm-hmm. that. But from that, I started to have like evidence of if I were to post about a brand, you'll get the this kind of reach, these likes, these comments. And are you capturing the analytics? Yeah. So like screen grabs and stuff yeah. like that? Yeah, I'll take screenshots yeah. of um, the post insights and I slowly gathered up insights where it gave me more confidence to ask businesses for more money. And yeah, but definitely early days, it was, it was pretty tough because also these businesses didn't get it because mm. they didn't, they didn't know what influencer marketing was and all that kind of stuff. True. And, um, and I was just, just me. I wasn't a big media agency yeah. with, with rate cards and, and all that kind of jazz, jazzed up stuff. So, it, yeah. That must be a really hard thing starting out as well. It's like, yeah. you know, I, I guess as any business owner or, or entrepreneur, it's like when you first start getting clients, mm. what rate do you yeah. value okay. your, so your business? I've, yeah. been, I've been thinking about that with yeah. even within the podcast round, yeah, you know, yeah. like when we start engaging. Sponsors? And, yeah, sponsors for yeah. business. You know, we're not there yet because the listener base, okay. although a massive <laughs> shout out to everyone listening to the podcast, yeah. um, we're not quite at 20,000 uh, yeah. views per episode. Okay. Um, but you know, it's like, how do you, how do you? Mm, yeah, what's really the appropriate know, pricing? Yeah. yeah, what's the pro- appropriate pricing for like the return on investment for a mm. business to invest into it? Mm. Um, and I guess when you're just starting out, it's kind of you're putting a finger into the air. Yep, and you've got really no trusting idea. your gut. Eh? Yep, there's nothing to compare it to really. Um, even with other podcasts, though, it's because like the listener base will be different. Totally. And you might not know the exact demographics of all the listeners as well. Yeah. And I think it also depends on the brand. If the brand is relevant to the, the listeners. Yeah. Um, and that's also something with Wellington Live that I learned and I was quite strict with myself on was that I wasn't going to advertise for anything that was not relevant to the audience. Mm. So any advertisement that I did, I wanted it to blend in to the point where people would already expect to see something like that. True. That's so, smart. That's smart. So it, didn't, it yeah. almost didn't even seem yeah. like too much of a sell. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It didn't seem like an ad because it would already be something about Wellington or you, I, I ended up advertising for a lot of events, which 
you know, on a, on a page called Wellington Life, you may already expect events to be posted on there. Or um, different activities like Adrenaline Forest out here, yeah. um, advertise a fair bit. And that's something you, you, you might expect to see because yeah. I'm showcasing different activities around the region. Yeah. And eventually I got to work with uh, Wellington NZ, the tourism arm of um, the council, which mm-hmm. at the time was called Reader Wellington Economic Development. Agency, Agency. yeah. Yep. Um, now called Wellington NZ, and so I did a bit of work with them. Um, done a bit of work with other councils as well, like the Porirua City Council and Hutt Valley Council, and eventually, I discovered that I could mix my passion of tourism and taking photos and videos, and start advertising for different regions around the country as well. Mm. So. I could go, say, down to Marlborough Sounds and capture my trip and showcase that on Wellington Live as, hey, did you like? Did you know like you can like you can catch a fifty dollar ferry mm. down to Picton and spend the weekend exploring Marlborough Sounds and yeah, just kind of showcasing different regions and activities and encouraging people to get out and, and see more of the country. Um, so that was cool. So that was sort of like my my segue into what I'm doing right now, uh, which is more fully tourism content yeah. creation. Yeah, 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 totally. And we'll, and we'll, we'll get into that um, yep. a bit more in a second. Yep. So you're running Wellington Live, yep. you know, things are humming. Yeah. Does it get to a point where you can actually make like a decent income? Yes. From running ads and running this essentially as like a business? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I I feel like a big point is I never intended for it to happen. I never intended to make Wellington Live. I never intended for it to be a business. It all just flowed on. But because I never had that intention, I was never driven by money. I was driven by like encouraging the community, like spreading positivity about Wellington and being able to change the way that people view Wellington, mainly mm. the people that live here, but also people from outside. And so like, often I'd share, share cool photos and videos of Wellington and the activities and, and things to do and everything. But, but I was never driven by money. So I was never in it to make bank. I only got it to a point where I was making enough to live off where I didn't need to have another full-time job, mm-hmm. which to be honest was was really good. And I mean, this is a whole other thing we could go down, but I, I had never had a normal job in my life before. So I, you know, I went straight from school to a little bit of uni to doing Facebook posts. Yeah. That's crazy. Making an income off them. That is so crazy. And like, what a big risk Mm. that you're taking at that really pivotal moment yeah. in your life where I'm sure all the other mates are going to get university yeah, degrees because <laughs> for like five years. I was um I was really similar in this mm. in the same degree as well because having a baby at mm. sixteen, yep. I was like, okay, I need to go into the workforce and yeah. make some money. Yeah, true. Um yeah. and yeah, I'm the same. I started started yeah. working yep. uh, from the age of eighteen, yep. all my mates getting university degrees and a lot of the time, you kind of mm. do question it sometimes. Yeah. You're like, shit, am I on the right path? Yeah, like, I can't, I know. I can't like, engage yeah. or or connect or relate to some people even my age. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously, it's um, it's paid off for you. It's, yeah, totally. I um, yeah. Oh, so so sorry. As, as saying you, yeah, so I made enough to live off. Um, because I'd never had any other job, I couldn't fully appreciate what I had. Mm. Where. A lot of people in the business world may be familiar with something called the four-hour work week. And I essentially had that for several years. 
which, you know, is quite an, an achievement because that's what a lot of people dream of. Four hour work Pretty much. Well, wow. Four hours, but for me it was like, spread out over because yeah. I was like 24 seven on alert where if I had to post something, I was going to post it instantly, totally. but you could become really efficient. You're, yeah. You could schedule your posts. Oh, I never, never scheduled anything. No, oh, really? you True. can't schedule an earthquake, uh, <laughs> so. but like you wouldn't have posts like scheduled and um, lined up. No, never scheduled. No, nah. mm, Oh, just like as it happens. Uh, live. <laughs> well, yeah, that is but, the dream, working remotely in the yeah. four-hour four work week. Yeah, and Sign so I could, <laughs> I could be anywhere, I could be doing anything. So, you know, there was a point where I was just spending my days, like, exploring. I, I lived in Auckland for a little bit, which is funny because I was running Huntington Life from Auckland China. for every year, I know. <laughs> it's <laughs> important to experience different cities. But anyway, so, like, every day, like, I would go to different waterfalls, different hikes and walks and... I got to the point where I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Mm. Like, is this it? Am I just doing this for the rest of my life? Hey, it beats sitting in an office cubicle. I know. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I had never had that. True. And I kind of wanted it. True. Because, like, you can't appreciate something if you haven't seen the opposite. Yeah. So, I, that's kind of what ended up driving me to selling it, was I wanted to experience something different and like, keep moving with on with life. Mm. And... Now, you know, looking back, I can, I can appreciate it more because I've, I've done a few more normal work kind of thing. I mean, not, not normal actually, but I can appreciate what I had. Was a part of that a part of you intrinsically mm. wanting to challenge yourself again? Yeah, probably. Yeah, there was, there was no... When you're making enough money off what you need, um, what, of what you're doing, it's like there's no... Yeah, there's no risk really involved. And I knew what I was, it was just second nature to mm. me running the page. But yeah, I just wanted to get out there and, and do more. So that's when I, um, well, I kind of had a few times where I looked at selling it and I would get advice from the older generation, the boomers. <laughs> and I'd have people saying to me, oh yeah, we can get you $300,000. And and they go and talk off talk to NZME stuff and whatever mm. um, and that would kind of drag on and, and I, I didn't have much patience in the sense that because I'd always worked on my own I hadn't seen the realities of the world of say government and business where things take weeks if not months to happen oh, which is yeah. really stupid because that means the government wastes a lot of money because you're just waiting in between emails yep. things. yeah and so I um there was one point where I had an offer from stuff.co.nz that was through me, that wasn't through any um, middle party or anything. And it was okay. Like, it wasn't heaps. Can you say what it was? Yeah, it was 50 grand. Hmm. And they were keen to hire me as well to do social media on a salary of, like, 50 grand. So at the end of a year, I could have had 100 grand. Yeah. Which, you know, maybe would have been good back then. Yeah. But I, I kept talking to people for advice. And I got so much mixed advice that I just got so confused and I didn't know what was, what was the, you know, correct choice to make, mm. whether to sell to them or to not. So I ended up not. And I thought, you know what, maybe if I give it a few more years, keep running it, um, maybe, you know, I could get a better deal when I do, when I do decide to sell it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of, yeah, what happened. And I kept running it and then... Again, you know, I'd, I'd think, what am I doing with my life? Like, I, I didn't even choose to do this. 
You kind of stumbled what? stumbled across it, eh? Yes. Yeah. Very like perfect stars aligning for yeah, the moment with the much. floods and Yeah, I know. <laughs> um natural disasters were my specialty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Basically, reporter on here. I know. Um I did love that fast-paced environment of that, and I thought, oh, maybe like a job in media would be cool. Mm. And to be honest, maybe I'd still enjoy that actually. But what, so, what's the process when you are going to sell a yeah. Facebook page? Because I'm yeah. sure for for many people, we yeah. just have no idea or no, no. visibility to no. what that even looks like. Yeah. Are companies looking to grab the whole thing? Is it as simple yeah. just sharing your username and your password? Oh yeah. <laughs> do you like what sort of analytics do you have to share with them? Yeah. How do you price it? Yeah. What's the in and outs to selling a selling mm-hmm. a Facebook a, fa- a Facebook page? Uh, I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> and again, that's something where I would ask a ton of people, and and nobody had a clear answer. So it's, I guess it's quite. I a had weird to do it on my do, own. Right? Yeah. Yep, yep. And so it was a lot to navigate. And I guess first point I'd say is like you can't actually sell just a social media channel because that's like against Facebook terms. So you have to sell a company. And luckily, like I, I was a registered company, Wellington Life Limited. Mm. It was, you know, technically a media company. And so if I sell the company, it happens to come with the social media channels and that that's how it works. True. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, packaged together all, all the analytics, all, like, information I had on it. Uh, it was, I initially, okay, so Wellington Live, the purpose of Wellington Live was to, for it to be a community page to support the community, help people with live updates and um, bring more positivity to the city yeah. through good photos and videos that showcase mm-hmm. the region, things to do, things to see. So it was all about for the community, never for money, never for any political or reason of, you know, trying to Just, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, influence people no in any particular... Yeah, no agenda. Yeah. yeah. And so... Because of that, I was trying to think who would be the perfect buyer, yeah. who, who would I want to run it. And I thought, uh, like, Wellington City Council, so Wellington NZ slash the council. It's interesting. Yeah. They're actually they're two different things, which people who aren't familiar, they wouldn't know. Um, Wellington NZ is a tourism, um, and then Wellington City Council is the council that mm. does, I guess, the boring stuff. Mm. Um, <laughs> the roads, like, rates, the rubbish. The rubbish. Fines. Yeah, yeah all, that, all that stuff. And I... Um, I had approached, I'd reached out to both of them and they both said no. And I wasn't even looking for much money at all, which, and it, so, I, I mean, I, I hope they can look back now and, and ask themselves, why did we not yeah, take that like up? Yeah, seems like a no-brainer, right? Eh? Exactly. Yeah, no. Um, but I think with those, with government organisations, they're a bit stubborn and they don't want to be seen as they couldn't achieve something on their own. So instead, Wellington City Council created their own new channel and probably spent many hundreds of thousands of dollars on that the following year after I'd offered it to the CEO. And, like, that's cost a lot more of taxpayers' ratepayers' money than it would have um, to purchase Wellington Live and already have a massive audience. Um, Similar with Rita, um, the reason they denied it was because their media agency recommended against it because it would cost too much to run. Mm. Whereas here I, I you're, was, you're like living proof. Running it, yeah. One person, half an hour a day, um, but and I thought, of course, the the media agency is going to recommend them not to because mm. they would save a ton of money on advertising and the media agency would get less business yeah. out of them. Yeah. So it was a weird situation, and I felt a bit defeated after that because they they didn't want they didn't want it. Yeah. 
So I was like, okay, what else? Where else would I like to see my page in the future? And I thought tourism. Yep. It's all about positivity. It's about showcasing the region, encouraging people to go out and about. And so I stumbled across a tourism startup that had reached out to me actually about a separate Facebook page that I had about New Zealand, which is, it was a pretty generic um, page. That I just shared photos and videos of New mm. Zealand and like encouraging people to explore different places. But they reached out about that and they wanted to use it to advertise a, they were launching a tourism app that would bundle together experiences around New Zealand. So I engaged with them on that. And then that was around the time when I was reaching out to the count council about um, selling the page. And so that fell through and I mentioned it to them and they were like, oh yeah, maybe we could look at buying Wellington Live. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys, it's a tourism app. It fits in the category of what I want to see the page in the future is to continue posting positive stuff, nothing political, nothing, you know, too negative. Mm. And so the conversation started happening. Uh, a purchase agreement was made. And to be honest, I didn't sell it for much compared to what I could have got if yep. I had put in the effort to reach out to other places. But at that point, I was also just completely just, I needed it gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the mental drain and, yeah. and everything, it was just too much. So... And how, when you, when you sold it, yeah. how many followers did it have and how many likes? Um, just over 200,000. Far out. That is yeah. huge, eh? 200,000. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, so a Facebook, 200,000. Instagram, I actually can't remember. It's like it had many, many thousands as well. Yeah. Um, at least 60,000, I'm pretty sure. As well as the Facebook community group, the Wellington Life community, which had about 80,000 members. Wow. Where other people were posting into it, sharing their community updates. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is massive. And yeah. so when you're packaging that, are you just like yep. taking screenshots of the analytics? Like do you have like yep. a sales deck almost for the prospective buyers to look into? Yeah, I mean I definitely put together a bit of a document. Nothing too fancy though. Yeah. It was more it was a conversational based kind of thing. So mm. I was already meeting with these guys, um, meeting with the team, and the plan was that they would buy it, but I would keep I would stay involved for a while and maybe even end up taking up a job within the startup right. because I could be going around getting all this content of the tourism related things. Yeah. And so I had a good relationship with a lot of the team there, but part of the, so part of the contract was that I would keep running the page for six months. And the way that they did it is two of the team brought my work, my company 50, 50 and so, yep, the, so the sale happened. So they had it 50-50 each. Then, as startups do, <laughs> the team fell apart. Mm. And it was really chaotic. And it was a lot, really. I, it was not a good time. And I was stuck in the middle because they owned it 50-50 each. And I didn't know who to listen to. Uh, one of them ended up threatening the other with legal action, like high court and everything. So then that guy got a lawyer and the lawyer was like, we've never seen anything like this before. Just sell it and run. Oh, shit. Yeah. And so that was the advice their lawyer gave yeah. to Yeah. So, uh, so that guy sold his 50% to the other guy and I was still stuck there in the six-month contract to keep running and and – Posting and, yep. and doing business business as usual, and nothing they, different. Do they have full like creative control over, um, over it, or they could give me advice on things? But I was still kind of 
the, the purpose of me staying there six months was so that they could find someone to take over from me. Right. There'd be like proper handover yeah. and stuff. Yeah, like a, a proper social media hire yeah. someone or multiple people to take over. And so, yes, yeah, so I kept running business as usual, nothing different. But I was in this weird chaotic situation of being stuck in someone else's startup drama, yeah, wow. which was exactly what I was trying to avoid. I just wanted to sell it and, and find peace and move on to something new, mm. but I couldn't. Mm. So, yeah, it, it ended up in, in the hands of, of one person. And, I mean, he's definitely taken it in a different direction than I had hoped it would go. There, there is no tourism map to be seen. True. There were so many promises. Fall it just, fell apart. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, so I mean, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of drama around that. And, and depending on when this podcast is released, there may be some media articles and things like that as well. Um, yeah. So and we may need another conversation at some point. Yeah, definitely. But, it, it totally has changed, changed a lot. And I, yeah. I, I guess a, a question for you is... Yeah. As you were building up Wellington Live, you were definitely very far removed and doing it behind the scenes. Yes. Like it wasn't like this is... Li- it wasn't my thing. No, no, totally. Like you were not the face behind it. Yep. But with the change of direction of Wellington yeah. Live now, like yep. I've had to unfortunately yeah, unfollow it. It's, it's, just, <laughs> it's just not my... Yeah, I don't exactly. know. It, it's, it's, it's not different. Like, yeah, it's just different. It's yep. just different. But w- was there... Mm. Was there a part of you where people were still connecting you to the page? Um, luckily not. And that was definitely one of my biggest worries when selling it and seeing the way that it was changing. I was very scared that people would think that this was me posting these chaotic, irrelevant, political things. Luckily, though, um, I don't think I ever had any occurrence of, of that happening that's good. where someone saying oh like this was this was me and yeah. they'll call me out for it but nothing not, that didn't happen um I mean obviously when I sold it I posted on my channel saying like hey everyone I've exited mm. my exited my company mm. I'm going on to new things now so anyone that knew me and knew that I ran it and that they probably followed me on Instagram or something so they would see that I had sold it and yeah I purposely didn't put my face I didn't make myself the face of the page because I mean, in the early days, there was a lot of negative. Well, not ne- well. I was seventeen. Teenage boys are chaotic, and mean, and bullying, yeah. and what they call banter. Um, <laughs> but it was pretty bad, and so I learned that I cannot handle hate, and so I never made it too obvious that it was me running the page or that it was only me. Yeah. People would think it was a proper media company and like a whole team behind it and everything. Yeah. But it, in reality, it was just me. Yeah. And so, but I found ways to integrate myself mainly through the tourism content. So like, let's say I'm going to Marlborough Sounds, like I might be in some of the photos or the videos um, or I got more passionately into landscape photography. Mm. So I would post a lot of my photos on the page and my name would be there. So uh, my name, you know, started getting out there a bit more. Yeah. Um, there was one year as well where I made a calendar with some of what I thought were my, you know, my best photos. And that did pretty well. I sold 200 calendars, which nice. I think I think was decent. That's cool. Um, it's in someone's, someone's house somewhere. I, I literally hand-delivered all of them. Oh, that's real nice. <laughs> I was like, I'm not paying for postage. I can't trust postage. <laughs> Things get stolen. I don't want to have to deal with that. So I literally like dropped them off in everyone's letterbox. It was great. I got to know a lot of um, suburbs in Wellington yeah, that yeah. I'd never even been to before. So Into in service. Yeah, exactly. Um, how yeah. much do you reckon you could have sold 
Wellington yeah. Live Four with its full potential? Because it sounds yeah. like you might have been rushing yeah, for the sure. sell of it a bit. I mean, it, it was so tricky because, again, if we go back to like what I would ask people for advice of what is this worth, there's always the issue that the channel is owned by Facebook. You, you don't, the external True, party the doesn't own to, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any moment, Facebook could take it down mm. and everything would be gone. So any buyer is taking that risk on. So that can make people feel less obliged to put a whole lot of money into it because of the risk. And and there's also the other side of people saying, oh, Facebook's dying, blah, blah, blah. The truth is Facebook isn't dying. It's just moving up with the demographic. So we're 25. We still use Facebook. You use Facebook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The old yeah. scroll here and there. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I scroll. Um, we are like at the, the bottom of so people younger than us have dropped off and yeah. they are on Instagram, then they're on TikTok. Mm. But Facebook will always be strong for as long as we live. Mm. True. So it will yeah. like capture yeah. this, demographic this demographic and above grow really, with it. Because a lot of the boomers yeah. are on there too. The, all the boomers are on it yeah. now, which is it's great because let's say like you're a business and you want to advertise to people who have disposable income. Uh, that's yeah, them. Totally. So you should be on Facebook and the reach is still there. Facebook is easy to grow something organically or with a little bit of budget behind it. But if you were to compare it to Instagram, Instagram is really hard to grow on. Mm. TikTok is the easiest to grow on. TikTok is crazy. Even yeah. with like the podcast. And I, oh, I yeah. remember like Ashton was like, man, you've yeah. got to get on TikTok. Yeah. I was like, oh, give it a try. Yeah. And then some clips just go absolutely viral. It's That's, insane. Yeah. You, it does not matter how many followers you have on TikTok any video can take off as long as it's good quality content, which is great because it's teaching people your content needs to be high quality, you know, it can't just be rubbish. But then also some real random stuff yeah, blow I know. up yeah, and it's, it's like, it's even good quality. It's just so, like yeah, a person um, speaking to the camera like a, I don't know, just recording a video themselves with this like, I hate yeah. the TikTok voice people put on. Oh. Do you know that like <laughs> Frank American sort of yeah. TikTok voice they put on? Hi guys, today, today I'm um, yeah. I'm going to the gym. I'm oh my god, <laughs> that's my head today. Yep. Um, I, yeah, I, I haven't gotten into that. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, that's I. Mm. I mean, I, I've done some voiceovers, but like nothing, yeah. not quite the daily vlog kind of things yet. Yeah. Which you you know, like I, I, I it's still fine to do. Mm. Um, if you do that, that's cool. Um, um, it's just, yeah. So you've sold uh, Wellington Live. Yes. And then you go into more of like a freelance sort of tourism Not space. quite yet. No? No. Okay. So Fill there's another the chapter. Um, so after I sold it, I posted on LinkedIn, hey, like I've sold my company, so I'm looking for something new to do. And I had quite a few messages come in. Uh, I had one message from someone called John Holt and he set up about 12 years ago a thing called the Kiwi Landing Pad, right. which was a co-working space in Silicon Valley for Kiwi entrepreneurs to go and work out of when they head over to the States. And he was looking for someone to come on board with that and help do just general community management, like organizing meetups, events, engaging with the founders. Um, the role definitely, you know, was a constant transformation as well. And... It was definitely really cool in terms of the opportunities. I went to the States three times. Wow. Yeah, you were like San Fran. Yeah. 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 Um, There's definitely lots of lessons learned from that. And I mean, first I'll say the States isn't what people think it is here in New Zealand. We think it's this big dream. Um, But there's homelessness everywhere. On San Francisco, like you step out the hotel and there's just homeless people everywhere. They're doing drugs. The streets are disgusting. 
it's it's not what we think it is. Mm. Um, LA as well, even worse. Mm. It's yeah. It's it's really funny as well because I feel like within our generation, when we were younger, mm. the US was like yeah, the, the strangest, haven. The stra- you know, all the movies are from there. <laughs> yep. Everyone would just go crazy fantasizing about going yeah. there one day. And then we've noticed a complete 180 shift. Yeah, it's completely changed. In our short, you know, 25 years on this earth where Mm -hmm. some people I know are like, why would I even want to go to this? I used to be like that as well. I thought there's, I'm never going to the States unless I'm going to a reptile show because I love turtles. A reptile show. Yeah, that was going to be my only reason to go there a couple of years ago. It might be the new Um, SeaWorld, watch out. Yeah, oh gosh. (laughs) But yeah, I I had no, I I lost, you know, when... America's been in the news for a lot of bad things in the past five to ten years, political yeah. mainly. So the the driver's less significance go there. But anyway, um, so I, I took up this role for a non-profit organisation called Kiwi Landing Pad. We, event- cool. we rebranded it into Territory 3 to mark different stages of its journey of helping founders and the way that we help them and the way that their journey is as well. And so in that role, yeah, I was engaging with a lot of startup founders around New Zealand and over in the States as well. And with the goal of helping to connect them with each other, with people that might benefit their growth and with resources. So we did weekly webinar series interviewing um, founders, both younger and older. And, and so trying to get as many insights as we can to support these founders that are looking to scale up mm. their companies overseas. So yeah, so that was a really cool role. Um, and then I've only re- left that about a month ago. Oh, real, real and, recent. Yeah, yeah real, real recent. Um, and so I've been in a bit of like a quiet transition period right now where I'm um, transitioning into full-time tourism, freelance c- content creation and um, doing that on, on the DLO so far. But we will be announcing... Um, so, like, the organisation is closing down as well just because recession, it's difficult to get funding. Mm. Um, a lot of startups are actually really struggling right now. Most most are laying off staff just to get through yeah. um, the economic climate right now. So there's not many actually scaling into into the States right now. Yeah, so true. That's pretty sad. Eh? Yeah, it really sucks. It's, it's tough out there for a lot of people right now. Mm. Um, and in New Zealand, we are really sheltered from it. Mm. In the States, it's a big deal. But over here, people... I mean, the thing over here is the cost of living yeah. is the the talk. Yeah. Like how expensive fruit and vegetables are or, totally. or petrol is yeah, yeah, crazy yeah. right now. Uh, um, but yeah. I, I wanted to ask you through your work with yeah. um, Kiwi Landing Pad. Yeah. So you would have had access to so many awesome yeah. Kiwis doing amazing things abroad. Yeah. What were some of the like key ingredients mm. that make up an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur yeah. who, who's a New Zealander living overseas that you got to understand Ooh, through meeting these people? Do they have any common traits between them? Or Yeah, I mean, big one is that they are go-getters. They're not scared. They are willing to get on that plane and get over there and sell themselves. And that is something that a lot of New Zealanders struggle with is we don't like to sell ourselves Mm. and talk up about what we're doing we're very humble to the point where you know you go to America and it's just it's the complete opposite there people will scream off the rooftops how good they are or what they're trying to sell but over here it's it's just completely different it's it's bad if you do that. And did you notice that culture when you're yeah. in the US? And yeah. yeah, it's, it's so the different. Tall, tall poppy syndrome exactly. in New Zealand, eh? Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is again why over the years I've been quite quiet about like what I've done because I even had like oh, like I was chatting to someone many years ago about it 
And he was like, oh, that's so cool. You're doing all this, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just doing this. Mm. And I felt really bad mm. that this guy, he, he was sad because he wasn't as successful as I was. And that made me feel like I shouldn't share my success because it'll just make people feel bad about themselves. Yeah. It's like the old saying, eh? Like comparison is the thief of joy. Like you're always comparing yourself to the next person walking down the street or or your neighbor who's got like a fancy new toy or a better (laughs) job than you. You're just never going to be happy or satisfied. Exactly. But we were just talking, you know, about the change of culture for Americans. But I think that's probably something they actually do really well. Is that they do. they're yep. confident and proud to speak up about their achievements and what they're doing yep. and get other people on board that journey. And it's just mm-hmm. such a missing Yeah, we I, I just think him. we've got so much more potential in New we Zealand do. Day. Like if that was yep. realized, mm-hmm. heck, we'd have so many more Lilias, we'd have so yeah. many more people with Kiwi landing pads, yeah, like totally. smashing it overseas. Yeah, yeah. Um but anyway, yes, that's definitely one of the biggest traits is that the people that are actually succeeding over there are the ones that have less fear and they're just going for it because they know the worst that can happen is is just back to square one, back to having a regular life. Mm. And, like, that's not terrible, you know? You can always start again. I mean, it definitely gets a bit more intense if, you know, some people with some businesses, they might put their mortgage on the line, which, you know, generally isn't recommended. Um, Generally, the path with these ones scaling overseas is they will raise capital, um, raise a few million dollars from investors. So the risk is spread out on the investors, but there can be higher reward if it succeeds well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, a, a lot of the more successful ones um, end up coming back to New Zealand mm, for lifestyle, really. Uh, you know, once you go out in New Zealand, you realise how beautiful the country really is. Yeah. Um, so a lot of them spread around the country, quite a few in Queenstown area yep. as well. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful down there. Um, but yeah, even me being in the States, like I missed greenery, <laughs> like mm. just being able to drive to a, a hill mm. and... Like I, I was in um, Austin, Texas, and there was this beautiful place that people go to look out on the lake for sunset, um, the oasis at Lake Travis. Yeah. And it was just so commercialized. It was concrete everywhere. There was no place where you could just sit on a piece of grass wow. and watch the sunset. No, you had to be in a restaurant and something commercialized. Jeez. And it's just so, con- yeah, it's so controlled like that. I mean, I know that there are great, Outdoorsy places in America, yeah. um, tons of them. Um, but I guess you need a car to do yeah, that. And yeah, I was too yeah. nervous to, to drive on the other side of the road. Oh, yeah, true. Um, maybe maybe at some point I'll have to do that. But, yeah, it's just so different yeah, over there. It, it seems like a cool place. I'm definitely keen to go there one yeah, day definitely to, worth it. to check it out. Yeah. It, it's, it's heaps of real weird nuances as well, yeah. like how tax isn't included within the cost oh, of things. Oh, God, like, I hate that. would be that. such a mindfuck. Tipping. Oh, oh, okay, when you're over there, everything is pretty much double the price of here. Crazy. It's in, like you'll get like eggs on toast and it's like 50 bucks New Zealand. Shit. <laughs> well, maybe with, with a juice as well or a coffee. Oh, thanks. Coffee, no. coffee there is like more than $10 New Zealand. It's crazy. Wow. So it's not affordable for Kiwis mm. just because like the way that the dollar is and yeah, the, the tipping and the taxes and mm. everything. And it, they're just, they're used to it. They don't mm. see any problem with it. Mm. But for us, it's, it's a headache. Um. And now as you're heading more into this sort of freelance yep. tourism yep. content creation, yep. um, would you, is that, is that how, how you, you would sort of sum it up? Like tour, tourism, yeah, yeah. Con- content it's, creator, would you call yourself a content creator? Yes, yes, def- yeah, content yeah. creator. And it's definitely a work in progress. I mean, I'm still early days of, 
you know, maybe I can't make a living off just doing tourism. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, there's a lot of, you know, I'm putting a lot of effort into relationship building with different companies, mm. um, figuring out what is the best way to approach places. Like I've messaged a lot of B&B places and I get a lot of no's because, and I guess another issue is that the market is so saturated in terms of people who have some number of followers. We can all take photos and videos on our phone. Anyone who's decent at that and has a certain amount of followers um, or just good content, mm. you can get free stays. Mm. Like, it's really easy. So is that is that what you're doing through yeah. all your trips and stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. How does that uh, work? Tell us all, because I'm okay. sure everyone would love some more, like, free Airbnb. Yeah, totally. Um, staycations? Don't take mine, though. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's cool. There's enough space. And, but, I mean, I guess what I have found is difficult for me, because if I want to make an income off it, and places don't want to pay for it, mm. but I have to take into account, like, this is two days' worth of my time. like Travelling there. Yeah, everything. travelling, petrol, food, everything. And... If I were to compare that to like being on even like a minimum wage job, that's still like nearly two hundred a day I'd need to make. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, so um, in terms of hustling the the deals, you pretty much like you can just reach out to them on Instagram. Um, you know, let them know a bit about yourself, what you're creating, send them some examples, and then you would say, you know, whether you're offering the content or whether you're offering the exposure to your audience. And if it's your audience, then you want to show analytics of. Um, where they live, how old they are, all that kind of thing. Um, and then the B&B will decide if they think it's worth you staying or not. Yeah. And I wish I um, made more of during COVID times when we had no international tourists in the country and everywhere wasn't necessarily empty, mm. but there were empty rooms everywhere. True that. And I I'm, did a, you know, a little bit of traveling during that time, but I regret not doing more of it where it was just so easy to stay anywhere True. for free. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, I never thought of that. Yeah, You're so right. There would be I, so many empty yeah, Airbnbs yeah. everywhere. And it was so cheap as well. Like even if you were just paying for a holiday, you'd pay 100 bucks a night in 2020, 2021. Now you'll pay four to 500 bucks a night for the same thing. Mm. So a lot of people miss the opportunity of exploring New Zealand mm. during that period. I mean, obviously it was chaotic time and we never knew when it was actually safe to go travel or not um so it was a bit tricky but um that was a great time where I you know I did get to travel around a fair bit and work with a lot of different tourism companies around New Zealand build up my relationships and that has definitely put me in a better position now going into this full time because I have a lot of relationships that I can lean on that's good and I have a lot of experience in this world, also through Wellington Live. Yeah. Uh, like, for example, with Wellington Live, I did a trip with Singapore Airlines to Singapore and Fiji Airways to, to Fiji. And um, so I kind of I got my head around how it all works. Mm. And I've also got reputation behind me now as well. So for someone starting off new, it, it would be you know, it is, it's difficult. Yeah. It's like the it, old thing we were talking about earlier, yeah. like trying to get a, trying to get your first job yes. and you're wanting oh five gosh, to yes. eight years experience. Yes. Uh, it's like you slowly just got to, you know, chip away at the wood until you knock that tree down. Um, pretty much. It's yep. pretty amazing what you're doing though, Lily. Like not many people yeah. find ways in their life to yeah. create the life that they want to live, you know? They're, yes. And I've, I've said this a few times on, on the podcast, but you mm. know, at times when I'm heading into Wellington to yeah. work my nine to five oh, yeah. corporate rat job. race, boring oh, job, yeah. um, I'm actually heading into more, mm. a, a better job soon, which oh, cool. should be cool. Nice. But, um, 
you know, you look on the train, you see all these people, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. all ages, but they're falling asleep on the I know, train. They're uh, like, this, is, this, is. is this all life is about? Not, yeah, exactly. Is this what we're built here to do? But yep. it's, um, hmm. yeah, you've you've found a way where you can sort of blend all your passions and yep. turn something that probably wasn't a job 20 years ago. Definitely, definitely wasn't a job. Wasn't. Probably yeah. was just a job only, like, roughly five, eight Co- years ago. Even yeah, less. I don't oh know. God. It's such a new thing. It's like being, you know, being paid to make... Make TikToks now. It's crazy. <laughs> no one would have thought of that. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it's it, is, it is crazy. But yeah. the question I wanted to, to come yeah. to was social media paints a glamorous life and we yes. only see the good parts of it. Yes. We see, you know, staying at Airbnb. Yeah, we totally, see the yeah. happy times. We see yeah. eating out. What are some of the mm. hardest moments oh, about gosh. following this particular career path that people might not know about? Oh, wait, hardest moments of following this? Career path. Um, any self-employed person will know that the hustle can be hard. The having to reach out to a lot of places and not succeeding in what you think might work. Um, I think may- maybe that could be the hardest part. Mm. I mean, if we go back to, uh, yeah, like a lot of social media can be fake. And luckily we're at this point now where with Gen Z, there's a transition to being more natural. It's mainly because of TikTok. Mm. So TikToks will do better if it's less edited, less fake looking and more just like a real person. Right. So it's, do- it's doing wonders for, for the, next, the upcoming generation, yeah. which is kind of slowly trickling onto millennials mm. as well when we realise, like there's so many brands that will still post like heavily edited videos on TikTok mm. and wonder like why they're too, not doing well. Too polished, eh? Yeah, like, like an ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But people scrolling on TikTok, they don't, they don't want to see ads. They want to see just like a normal person talking yeah. or, or showing you through something or, yeah. you know. But it's... um. Yeah, it's, it's great that everyone's learning to become more open, less fake. Instagram as well, you know, is more about reels versus super polished photos, whereas five years ago it was all about the polished photos, getting the best photos you possibly could mm. or, like, putting yourself in the photos as well. Mm. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought that one. <laughs> no, 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 that was good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I get, what what do you see being some of the real mm. challenges with social mm. media? Oh, yeah. I'm particularly like a bit freaked out yep. about it from oh yeah be, oh. because I, I remember being 17, 16, yeah, and just unsupervised on on mm. like the internet and social media. There was that mm. fucking horrible app called Ask, No Ask oh. FM. <laughs> oh god, yeah, that one was terrible. Dude, as it well. just like was there to bully kids. Like <laughs> yeah, it was it horrible. Was. You send in anonymous like comments yeah. or questions to, to people and mm. you would have no idea who asking these questions. And most of the time it's people just like absolutely roasting you or or you know yeah. spreading rumors and stuff. But I feel like the, the kids nowadays. Mm. I, I sound like such a boomer even saying that. <laughs> we are, we're old now. But I feel like they they can sort of sniff out that bullshit yeah. a lot better than we could, and as we were the guinea pig. As we were the guinea pigs. Like yes. I know my sister, my, my two sisters, they're sixteen and fifteen. Mm, okay. Like they're not on that sort of stuff. Like I think good. they sort of use social media with a lot of discret- discretion now, which is That's good. That's good. Um, um. Yeah. Honestly, social media it's great, but it's also. Terrible and causes a lot of problems, causes a lot of harm, um, especially in our generation growing up. I saw all the harm it would cause to me and my friends sure. because adults would have no idea what was going on. There was no guidance at all. It was just these tech companies would keep coming up with more and more cool, like, 
new features that would, you know, weren't, weren't used in, a, in an appropriate way. And I'm definitely glad now, you know, it, it seems as though it's a lot better for the younger generation because even people like us, like you've got sisters, so you mm. could kind of give them a bit of guidance mm. on different apps and, and the realities of, of what different sites like Ask.fm are. It's, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. Like I love social media, but I also hate it and it's mm. terrible for you. But we make do with what we've got. Mm. And for me, that means trying to make, a, I guess, a career out of it. Mm. Um, use the addiction for good. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. I guess you're going to be spending, yeah. like, so much time on your phone. You may yeah. as well do it and make, make yeah. money off it, right? Exa- yeah, that, that's exactly my thought process. Um, and that was also, I mean, that also helped me with Wellington Live as well because I was spending so much time on social media. I was like, it, it would be a waste if I wasn't totally. creating pages and engaging with people and, and, yeah, yeah, and doing yeah. things like that on it. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think social media is definitely quite a toxic place. But there's, there's constant improvement of mm. the more awareness is, that's out there. Mm. And, you know, there's going to be new things um, that are, that'll be coming out soon and new territories that we have not been familiar with. Mm. And the cycle may continue. And, you know, maybe it is a, a downhill battle against technology. But it is what it is. Totally. Um, <laughs> um, can't do too much on it. I was also keen to, to hear yeah. it's really easy to get your validation through mm. social media as yeah. well, through either, uh, uh, probably particularly for someone that's mm. wanting to get into the sort of influencer realm, yes. where your validation is actually your likes, your followers, your yes. engagement. So, how do you personally go about yeah. separating the validation from social media mm. and bringing that into the real life? Um. I don't, or, can you rephrase? Like, um, how do you? Because a lot of people get validation right but, from likes and stuff, and that's how they see their self, right. their, their self worth is oh, through okay, okay, social okay. media. Yeah, totally. So, how um, do you sort of differentiate yourself personally? You know, the Lilia on Instagram, yeah, um, this business, you know, essentially, and like the lifestyle yes. that you're living to the mm. self worth mm. outside of the realm of social media. Yeah, oh, Dan, that's a tough one because, I mean, definitely with someone with as high screen time as me, a lot of my world is social media. <laughs> um, I mean, I've definitely learned over the years things like it's important to have really solid friendships totally. in real life, even though I'm not an extrovert. Like, I, I will force myself to spend time with my friends because I know it's healthy. Um, and other parts about mental health and, and general health as well, you, you kind of learn and, and, you know, luckily there are positive influences on social media about that kind of stuff mm. that can, can have an impact, but I don't, I don't know, actually. Mm. Um, I just, if I'm happy, then I'm happy. If I'm not, then I'm not. Yeah. And it's a, it's a constant journey yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just yeah. so interesting. Eh? Cause I know like a lot of, mm. Definitely a lot of a lot of younger listeners, mm. you know, they might totally just get all of their validation in life through yeah. how many likes they get on social media, yeah, which okay. is a Actually, fucked up way to view the world. That's true. Okay, okay. There's something I can talk about on this. Uh, before COVID, before it, before it all went down, on my personal Instagram, I believed and what I saw through the way my engagement worked was that in order to get likes, I had to post like really nice photos of me. Mm. And it was kind of annoying because, like, 
I, I wanted to post other photos as well, like scenic photos. And then when, um, when COVID happens, we got, we just got out of the first lockdown and it was a beautiful day. I went up to Wright's Hill in Karori and I was borrowing my dad's big camera lens, zooms in really far. And I, I went up the hill and I was there to like take photos of Wellington because I knew it was a good view of Wellington and oh, and there was some snow on the mountains. Mm. So it was beautiful. And then someone said to me, oh, hey, you can see, um, oh, I can't pronounce it. Um, I say Mount Taranaki, but I know that's wrong. Um, um, let's go Mount Taranaki. I yeah, you said, you said. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, still, I'm still learning. I'm still trying. I, I've nailed Topo. Topo. Nice. Yeah, I can do that one. Yeah, <laughs> but it, let's it's, go. Yeah, it's work in progress. Um, anyway, so you could see the mountain from Wellington. And so I took a photo and I posted that photo on Wellington Live because I had Wellington Live at that point in time. Um, and that photo just went kind of viral. Like everyone was like, whoa, you can see it from here. It's like over 200 kilometers away. And then uh, the media picked up on it mm-hmm. and it was the, it was published in the newspaper and... The flat earthers went crazy at it. <laughs> and, so yeah. Um, but from that, so I posted that on my personal Instagram as well. And then I would post photos of the snow behind Wellington. And that started me on a journey of landscape photography where I learned that people did appreciate those photos. I didn't have to post me in a bikini. Mm. Like I could post a photo of something that I think is beautiful and people will like it as well. Mm. And so... I, I loved my feet at that point in time. It was all just very colorful and vibrant of, of all these different landscapes. And so from that, I learned, like that was, a, that was a pivotal point for me where I realized it wasn't just about my image. It was about like talent as well and, and mm. capturing other things. So that was really, I think that, that was really good for me to mm. have experienced that. And now I'm less fussed about me and photos and whereas for a lot of people they might not have a pivotal moment like that yeah yeah, yeah which yeah. is that's yeah. a really good answer that's a really yeah. good thing um <laughs> before we wrap yeah. things up yeah. where can people Ooh. stay in touch with you okay. and your work yeah um so i mainly use instagram so at lilia.alexander and then on tiktok i am at lilia alexander no dot or anything um i'm also on linkedin my name very corporate Yes, I, I also do a bit of uh, LinkedIn influencing because nice. that's an untapped channel. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They love my scenic photos and my cool B&Bs on there. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's a whole new area, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that would be probably Instagram is the best place to follow cool. along. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we'll chuck some links in the description whether you're cool. watching or listening to this episode. Yeah. Um, and we'll finish just with some yeah. quick fire questions. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> social media app of choice. Oh. If you have one for the rest of your life. Oh, oh that's a, that's a, t- oh my God. I'm like torn between Instagram and TikTok because TikTok, but then TikTok, I mean, Instagram also has reels. So I would say TikTok right now because it also has m- good messaging. Yeah. Whereas, oh, wait, did I say TikTok just then? You said TikTok. Did I say Instagram? I, I mean Instagram. Okay, Instagram. Instagram. Instagram is my choice because it's got, Everything. Okay. Nice. Like I ditched Snapchat many years ago because Instagram does the, the photo sending and everything anyway, so you don't even need Snapchat anymore. True. True. Yep. That's nice. Yeah. Um, best spot in yep. New Zealand for a staycation. Oh my gosh. Ah, uh, there's a lot of good places. But I love Mount Cook. Mount Cook. Nice. Mount Cook is great. What brings you true happiness? 
Oh my god, that's a deep question. Um, hmm. I, I actually need to make a list on this. Um, I feel like I might have started at some point. Like, I love nature and I love the night sky and sunsets and feeling at peace. Nice. Yeah, let's go with that. Advice you wish you knew about when you were younger? Ooh. Um, damn, I mean, the whole thing is just a journey. It's, um, I don't know if anything in particular could have changed much at all. But, oh, I mean, okay, a good one could be sometimes you have to listen to yourself and not others and mm. just go with your gut feeling. Nice. Yeah. I like that. Um, if you could change one thing in New Zealand, what would this be? Oh, my God. These are big questions. I know. They're like well, quick fire, but well, just... Well, well, one thing in New Zealand. Um, You've got unlimited resource. You're the prime oh. minister. You could do anything. Oh, shoot. Okay. It could be like literally magic. You I was going to say, let's just change the way the government works because I know how much money is wasted. Well, that could be the one. Maybe yeah. that's it. It's yeah, fully just re redefine what the government is and, and how the money works yep. and... Because I've I've seen some silly spending. I've I've benefited from some of that silly spending. Mm. Um, let's get Wellington moving. But um, <laughs> I'm currently employed by the government, so I cannot <laughs> make a comment on the end of this. No. Um, yeah, probably that. I just think it's it's, it's all just quite silly. Yeah, it's, no, yeah, it's I'm very right. change it. Very yeah. true. Um, what do you believe is the main thing that is holding back young people in New Zealand? Whoa! Uh, what's holding people back? Young people in particular. Young people, okay. There, there are many different factors to that. I mean, there's there's the influences, being able to see people succeeding that are like them. Um, there's having the resources to do that. There's the tall poppy syndrome that, you know, makes you think you need to push yourself down in order to be likeable and mm. fit in. Um, let's go with that one. Cool. Yeah. Nice. The, the tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Lilia, thanks so much for jumping on. Yeah. Uh, really appreciate cool. it. Cheers. Nice. No, Thank you. Good. Thank you too.